Book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew 28, if you've been here the last several weeks, this has been our text uh, for a few weeks now as we have been with our theme this year on a double portion, and we're asking for a double portion of, of, of what the Lord has done for us in the past, and certainly we've been in the Great Commission, and so we'll start there this morning in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 and 20, and then we are going to use our Bibles a good bit this morning. We're going to turn to several passages as we look at uh, this morning the gospel of the Great Commission. And I want us to see Matthew 28, beginning with verse 19 and 20, and follow along as I read verse 19 and 20 of Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Verse 19 and 20 is known as what we call the Great Commission. Christ has assembled His church after His resurrection, before His ascension, and has commissioned them to go into all the world and preach to the world about His death, burial, and resurrection. And certainly, uh, as is tradition in many places, certainly in our own nation and here today, uh, we put an extra emphasis on the resurrection of Christ, uh, but certainly it's an emphasis that ought to be a daily occurrence with us. Uh, But this morning, I want to use these two verses to begin, and I'm going to preach this morning on the gospel of the Great Commission, the gospel of the Great Commission. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you would use the message today. May your words speak to our hearts. May the Spirit of God, as He's already prepared hearts for the preaching of the Word, may uh, He bring conviction where conviction is needed. May we realize the most important news, the most important story we'll ever hear is of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I have to give thanks for my own salvation. I have to give thanks for the day when I realized I was a sinner, realized there was a payment for my sin. And I had no ability to do anything about it, but because of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, I could not only have forgiveness, but I could have a hope of eternal life. And Father, I pray that we'll be helped today. May those who are lost without Christ, may today be their day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Great Commission, as we look at these two verses, and we are speaking of the gospel of the Great Commission. This is a great commission, and I've preached on this some in past weeks, and certainly we would know this to be true. It's great because Christ commissioned His church. He did not commission His church with a social gospel. He did not commission His church with a political mandate. He commissioned His church to speak to them, to to, to go into the world and preach of His resurrection, to preach of salvation and win people to Christ so they may be a new creature then baptizing them, identifying them with the one who saved them. Friend, this morning I'm thankful I can say that I'm saved, forgiven, on my way to heaven. I've been scripturally baptized because I'm not ashamed to be identified with the one who saved me. I make no bones about it. I'm happy to say it. I am a child of God. I am a born-again believer. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not depending on the Baptist church to get me to heaven. There's never been a church to get anybody to heaven, but I say I am proud to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
After baptizing them, identifying them, then teaching them, training them to be a disciple. That was the attention of the church that Christ, the founder, the head of the church, gave to his church after his resurrection, before he ascended to heaven. He said, go into all nations. Teach them what you have heard. Teach them what you know. My death, burial, resurrection. Now, if Christ gives a commission, uh, you and I should pay close attention to it. The church should pay close attention to it. But as we are commissioned as his church, we must be reminded of why it's such an important commission. It is because of the gospel of the Great Commission. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, more important than where you have your church membership is what you've done with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. More important than what political party you, you, you lay claim to is what you've done with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you and I must realize the gospel as the church. If we're to take the gospel, it's important for you and I to be reminded of what the gospel is. It's you and I to be reminded of the, the importance of the gospel because of what it is. Maybe you're here visiting today and, and uh, you wouldn't call yourself a, a regular church goer. Or you wouldn't call yourself a, necessarily a church in, in, individual to use that terminology. But friend, you picked a good Sunday to be here as we focus on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Great Commission. Now, let me give you a few things to think about today, and we are going to use the Bible quite a bit. Let me say, number one, as we consider the gospel of the Great Commission, it is the death, burial, and resurrection. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. If you still have your Bible open, I want you to turn back just a few pages to Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew chapter number 27. And let me say something very obvious and logical. You cannot have a resurrection without a death. And we focus on the resurrection because Christ conquered death and hell. He had to conquer death and hell by going through death. We look and we'll read the account this morning of his crucifixion. And we look in Matthew chapter number 27, beginning with verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. Now, let me just stop right here and say there was a time when the Roman government, the Roman Empire ruled. This is that time. There really was a Roman Empire. There really was these soldiers in the governor's hole. Hall, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who left heaven, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, stood in their presence. Verse 28, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. When they applied a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. For it's important for you and I to be reminded that before he ever got to the cross, the physical suffering that he went through, the mockery that he went through. Verse 33, And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, 
They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Now, I'll not go into all the details of the crucifixion I have in the past, but it's the most brutal form of execution during that time. Verse 36, and sitting down, they watched him there. And set up over his head, his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests, mocking him, and the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if we will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. I remind you, it was the religious people who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the religious who did not have the... Uh, same mindset as, 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 as Christ did. Now look at verse 45. Now when the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour, and, upon the, and about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him the drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Those words that Jesus spoke in verse 46, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me very quickly? Let me just tell you why he said that. It was because he had upon himself the sins of the world. God cannot look upon sin, this mindset that man wants to push that God will accept their sin and, and God will conform to what man is. Uh, there's no evidence of that, certainly in Scripture, and it is not the truth. And because Christ became sin for man, His own Father could not even look upon Him. In verse 50, Jesus, when He had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. It's important for you and I to be reminded, and anytime I read the Scripture, I remind us, that Christ's life was not taken from him. Man did not have the power to kill Jesus. Man did not have the power to take his life. The wording in the scripture is very important. It says he yielded up his ghost. He gave his life for man. The Son of God, God in the flesh, took upon him the sins of all men, including my sins, your sins. He took upon him the sins of the world, and when it was finished, he yielded up the ghost. He gave his life for man. Verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Skip down, if you will, to verse number 62. Now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together into Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Isn't it amazing? It's, it happened in that day. It still happens to this day. Oh, Jesus is a fraud. Jesus is a liar. But we need to discuss what he said. We need to put some 
some, some fail-safes. We, we need to be prepared because he said he was going to rise again the third day. In verse number 64, Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last heir shall be worse than, than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. I find that humorous. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. I would encourage you sometime today to read the account of the crucifixion in the other Gospels, the book of Mark, the book of Luke, the book of John. It reminds us of what Christ went through. It reminds us of the physical suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that certainly vexes my soul, and I'm sure it does to yours, when you see an injustice done, when you see and you read a headline and you look and there's, there's some, an innocent party who was convicted of something they did not do. Often you hear it, and I don't know how much we, we pay attention to it, but sometimes, and I heard even in recent days, there was a man who had been wrongly convicted and because of DNA testing that was not available decades ago, the man was exonerated. He had been innocent the whole time, but he was convicted. That was an injustice that was done. But friend, we're talking about the greatest injustice that man could ever partake in was crucifying the Holy Son of God. But friend, man did not have the power over Christ to do that. Christ yielded. He fulfilled the will of the Father. He gave his life. Follow verse 20, chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now, Christ has died. Christ has been buried. We find verse 2 of chapter 28. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Now, notice very simply in the scripture, the angel came and rolled the stone away, but he didn't do that to let Jesus out. Jesus was already out. He moved the stone to show everybody he wasn't there anymore. Verse number 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. See, Pastor, do you really believe that Jesus was, 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 was real? Though I believe he is real. Do you really believe that he was crucified and, and as the Son of God? Absolutely. Do you really believe that the sky is darkened and that, and that, that, and that God the Father turned His back on Him and, and would not look on Him and He became sin for man? Oh, absolutely, I believe it. Do you really believe that He was buried and do you really believe He rose again? Oh, absolutely, I believe that Jesus came forth. Say, well, that just seems a little far-fetched to me. Well, friend, you need to open your eyes a little bit and, and, and soften your heart a little bit because the evidence is there that the Lord Jesus came forth out of the tomb. That's His death, burial, and resurrection. 
I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 3, just a little ways, if you have your Bible, Acts chapter number 3. As we're thinking of the gospel of the Great Commission, while you're turning there, we read at the end of Matthew chapter 28, Christ gives his commission to the church. You've got to imagine from the church's standpoint, that early church, those disciples that he had called out, they had witnessed the miracles. They knew he was the Son of God. They, they knew of his death and his burial, and now they saw him in his resurrected body. And he said, go forth and teach all nations of my death, the burial, and the resurrection. He tells the church in Acts chapter number 1, before he ascends back into heaven, to once you get the power of the Holy Ghost upon you, go into the world and preach the gospel. God does miracles, and people begin to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and, 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 the, and the story goes forth of, of His resurrection, and this truly was the Son of God. We get to chapter number 3 of, of the book of Acts, and I want you to look at verse number 19. This is the Apostle Peter speaking, and he preached on that day of Pentecost, and there were 3,000 that trusted Christ as their Savior. There were 3,000 in that crowd that believed that Jesus had risen from the dead, and they believed on Him for their salvation. He, Peter is now, after a, a miracle was done, he is preaching again. And in verse 19, he says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The second statement I want to make when it comes to the gospel of the Great Commission is the call to repentance. Listen very, very carefully. It is not just enough that Christ died, was buried, and resurrected. He did what only He could do. But there is a call of repentance in relation to what Christ did. The devils believe the Word of God, Jesus reminds us. The devil believes the tomb is empty. But that does not mean that he has salvation. There is a call to repentance. That word repent means a change of mind. Peter speaks, he preaches to those religious, and he said, repent. You need to change your mind about who you said Jesus was. You need to change your mind about your dependence on the law to get you to heaven. And that call of repentance still rings out today in relation to the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Friend, there's going to be a lot of people, I'm afraid, that they hashtagged He is risen on Easter, but they never repented of their unbelief, of they, their belief in a religion, in a, in a group of beliefs, in a church membership. There is a call to repentance, a changing of our mind of who Jesus is, what He did, and my dependence on Him. Notice what the, that verse says. Repent ye therefore and be converted. I don't have you raise your hand right now, but if you're saved, you've been converted from lost to saved. To lost to redeemed. To in the sight of God, filthy and clean. Dead to alive. There is a conversion that takes place. The Bible teaches us that without salvation, we are dead in our sins. 
But in relation to what Jesus did, there's a call to repentance, a call of a changing of a mind. Perhaps you're in here and you have been taught that you've got to be a good person. If you'll be as good as you can be and you can take all your good works and stack them on one end and compare them and they're more than the bad works, which nobody that would ever be the case anyway, then you can get to heaven. You've got to repent, change your mind about that belief. Maybe, you, 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 maybe you're here this morning and you don't know how somebody got you at a Baptist church. You, 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 you could take a different denominational tag and that's what you've always been, that's what your family's always been, and you're depending on a denominational tag to get you to heaven. Friend, you're going to have to repent of that. You're going to have to change your mind that nobody's getting into heaven because they're a Catholic, nobody's getting into heaven because they're a Baptist, nobody's getting into heaven because they're a Methodist. You get into heaven because Jesus was, he died, was buried, was resurrected, and I am changing my mind about what I am believing in, and I am going to believe in what Christ did. It's necessary for conversion. You can, you, you, you must be born again, the Bible tells us, but you cannot be born again. Without repentance. Notice what this verse says. So that your sins may be blotted out. Please don't raise your hand because you don't have to. But how many in here are a sinner? The reason why I said don't raise your hand, that would just be a wasted exercise. Because every single one of us is a sinner. I joked with a couple this morning. I saw a woman... And some I've known for a long time, I looked up and said, man, I didn't know if the roof was going was to fall in this morning. I was like, well, Pastor, it would be an embarrassing thing for people to know everything. That would be true of everybody. Well, I, I, I'm not sure I could be saved because I have all these sins that I've committed. I'm not sure I belong anywhere near a church because of the sin record that I have. I, I could never listen to that message and I'm here because, you know, I was asked to be here. I'm here because I, I, I felt in, inclined to be here today. But really, because of the sins I have, this is the last. Pastor, trust me, you don't want me here. Because if you knew the things I had done, if you knew the sins I had committed... Look at your Bible, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Let me tell you a little bit about Greg Neal. Greg Neal was born a sinner just like everybody in here. He has sin laid to his account. But there was a day when I heard the story of how Jesus, the perfect Son of God, went to the cross of Calvary and he put upon himself the sins of the whole world. But I didn't hear that part. I heard the part where it was he took my sins upon him and he, he paid for my sins and he gave his life for me and he was placed in that tomb and three days later he came forth out of that tomb alive having conquered death and hell and I knew I was a sinner and, I, and on that day as a child I put my faith in him and what did I do? I repented of that old unbelief and I said I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, 
his burial, and his resurrection. And from that time on, my sin has been blotted out as far as God is concerned. If you and I were to go into heaven today and look at the record of Greg Neal, it would be white as snow as far as God's concerned. If you've been saved, you've been redeemed, the same is true of you. Now, we all have a choice when we're faced with this. I can stay with what I've always believed. I can keep my unbelief of the death, burial, and resurrection. And in doing so, I'm taking my sins with me everywhere. And in doing so, the Bible talks about there's a physical death that will come. And then in Revelation, there's... It's, it's written to us that there is a great white throne of judgment. And I could go to that great throne where Jesus himself is going to be. And I could stand there with all of those sins and try and give a good argument. But Jesus has already established, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I could argue... That I was a Baptist my whole life, it wouldn't get me any closer because of my sins. I could argue that all my family were Christians. They even drugged me to church from time to time. It wouldn't do me any good because of my sins. I could make any argument that I want to make. I could talk about all the good that I've done and all the things I've done for charity. And I wasn't as bad as so-and-so. But because of my sin record... I'd be cast into the outer darkness to burn forever and pay for my sins. But if you repent, the Bible says that your sins will be blotted out. Blotted out. The gospel of the Great Commission, the death, the burial, and resurrection. Then there's the call to repentance. I hasten number three. I want us to see the necessity of the gospel. In Romans chapter number five, if you, if you, catch, if you, if you catch up quick, uh, you, you'll, you'll catch me. But in, in, in Romans five, verse number eight, a verse a lot of people know, we see the necessity of the gospel. In Romans five, verse eight, we're told, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I've got, I've, got, I've got obvious news, but I've got good news for you. Christ didn't die for perfect people. He died for sinners. So He died for all of us because there are no perfect people. But God commendeth or showed His love toward us. You know, you ever had anybody tell you that they love you and you're like, you do not. You are a liar. Oh, I love you. And you know, no. No, you don't. There's some people, I love you. You say, why do you lie like that? But when God says, I love you, that's not a trite statement. When it said, well, God loves everybody, that's a true statement. There's some people who will tell you they love you, and you're like, I just don't know if I believe that. But friend, you and I can never call into question the love of God. Because God didn't just say He loved us. He showed us He loved us. Because of man's sin, God knew that man could never get back access to Him. So therefore, He sent His Son to die on the cross and pay for 
our sins. Why would Jesus... Jesus did not get... He wasn't just trying to do a political revolution, and that's why he got crucified. He came with a purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. We've seen his death, his burial, his resurrection. There's the call to repentance. It's not just enough for you to say, Oh, I'm here on Easter, I celebrate the resurrection. But what have you done as far as repentance? You've got to change your mind about you being good enough. You've got to change your mind about what denomination. Well, I'm depending on that. I'm not sure of the, of the Baptist way. Friend, there is no Baptist way. There is no Catholic way. There is no Methodist way. There is no Muslim way. There's only the way through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is necessary for conversion. I don't think I could ever be a Christian. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe and you are converted. Sins are blotted out. We see the necessity of the gospel. Look at verse 8 says, And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody ever needed help and you look at them and you're like, and you judge them? Okay, let's be honest. It's like, uh, I don't know if they need my help. I don't know if I want to give my help. I don't know if I trust my help. I just don't want to help. And there's some we look at and we say, well, they, 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 they don't, I'll give them my help. They look like they can need my help. And for whatever reason, we might help somebody and not help somebody else. It's kind of like in the world we live in. It's like, well, you, you need to have this to be able to do this, but we're not going to give it to you until you have it. It's kind of like trying to finance something or, 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 or you know, we need, you know, we could qualify to do this job. You just don't have the paper to say you qualify to do this job. We look at people and say, well, they need help, but I just, I don't know if I'm going to, or in some, this is warranted in some cases, like, well, I'm not going to help you until you start helping yourself. There's wisdom in that. Why is it my responsibility to do what you won't even do? Help yourself. Let me tell you about our God, why we were yet sinners. He looked at us all and said, I'll help you. He, he didn't even look at us and say, when you help yourself, I'll help you, because you and I could not help ourselves when it comes to our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me tell you, there's two types of people in this room today. There's those that are redeemed and those that are not. Let me put it this way. They're saved sinners and lost sinners, but we're all sinners. And when you got saved, don't, don't get too, 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 too big on your, on, your, on your soapbox about those that are not, because the only difference between you and them is the grace of God. You repenting of your unbelief, you say, I believe in what Christ did. And friend, this morning, it is necessary for you to understand the death, burial, and resurrection. Because it is necessary for every man, if they want forgiveness, if they want their sins blotted out, if they want that home in heaven, if they want that conversion, if they want to be changed, it is necessary for you to put your trust in Him, it is necessary for you to repent of whatever it is that you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ as it pertains to your salvation. Why? Because we're all sinners. That's why Jesus left heaven. 
He didn't leave heaven. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas. I celebrate it. But he didn't leave heaven just so you and I could give gifts. He left heaven and was born of a virgin so that he could give his life. He could be buried. He could be resurrected. I've said, first of all, we see the death, the burial, and resurrection. We talk about the gospel. We see the call to repentance. We see the necessity of the gospel. And I want to read from Romans 10. I want us to see faith in the gospel. In Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 9, the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Watch this very quickly. We talked about the death, the burial, and resurrection. Jesus left heaven, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. The Son of God went to the cross of Calvary, let man physically abuse him, let man mock him, took upon him the sins of every man to the point where God himself, the Father, had to turn his back on him. The sins that you and I deserve eternal punishment for, Christ took upon himself. He yielded up the ghost. He gave his life for man could not take it from him. He was placed in that borrowed tomb. Three days later, the angel came from heaven. The the, the guards were there. It had been sealed. He moved it aside, not to let Jesus out, but to show him, you can stand there all day long. You can put a hundred seals on that thing. Jesus is not in there. Resurrected from the dead. He meets, he assembles with his church. He gives the instructions we looked at in Matthew 28. Peter begins preaching. These others begin preaching. Those apostles, the church begins to preach of a resurrected Savior. And we, we realize that as Peter preached, and we saw in Acts 3, there's a, there's a need of repentance, a, a changing of our mind, of our unbelief, and you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just enough that we, 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 we have historical documentation that Jesus was buried and rose again. We must realize the call to repentance. And friend, that's still a call today. The necessity of the gospel, no matter who you are, no matter what part of town you came from, no matter what, where, what your lineage is or your religious background, there's a need, necessity of the gospel. It was necessary for Jesus to do what he did so that we might be saved. So if all that be true, and it is, it comes down to faith in the gospel. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Say, well, 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 pastor, if I move my membership, then I'll start getting getting things together. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the call to repentance is not for you to move your membership. It is to believe with thine heart, what? That God hath raised him from the dead. The death, the burial, the resurrection. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You cannot work unto righteousness. The Bible tells us that our works are as filthy rags. No matter what good you do, I'm for doing good. 
I'm for doing good works. But in the sight of a holy God, our works are as filthy rags. There is nothing you and I can do. That's bad news for man. But it's good news because Christ made the payment for us. And I don't have to depend on my own works. I can believe unto righteousness. I stand here today at the beginning of, of the message. I said that I, 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 I'm thankful for the day I got saved. I know without a shadow of a doubt that my eternity is in heaven. If my heart stops beating today, I don't, don't, don't feel sorry about this. This physical body will be dead, but I will be eternally alive. And I'll look even better in my glorified body than I do right now. Why? Because I have eternal life. Some of you are laughing too hard at that joke. Why? Because there was a day when I realized that Greg Neal's a sinner. There's nothing he could do to get to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to pay for my own sins. And friend, just as sure as heaven is a real place, hell is a real place. And oh, I remember when I felt the weight of my sins. And I realized there was a call to repentance. I believe in the resurrection. There's a call to repentance. What are you believing in to get you back to God? What are you believing in to get access to heaven? Because if it's your goodness... You've got to repent of that, and you must believe in what Christ did. If it's a religious background, you've got to repent of that and believe in what Jesus did. Or maybe you say, I just don't believe in any of it. You've got to repent of your unbelief in order to get your sins blotted out because we're all sinners. And friend, this morning, verse 13 of that last passage I read said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word whosoever is a powerful word. Anybody. It's faith. It's faith in what Christ did. It is the realization that you're a sinner. Why did Jesus come? Because we were all sinners. Do we understand how messed up this world is? You know why this world's messed up? Because people live in it. Because we're all sinners. If there was another way, why would Jesus leave the wonders of heaven to put on flesh to come live among us? He came to pay our sin debt. The Bible tells us that He came forth victorious out of that grave holding the keys to death and hell. Nowhere can you find in the Bible anybody else who holds the key to death and hell. Nowhere will you find any documentation of any kind of anybody who holds the keys of death and hell. The Pope does not have the keys of death and hell. This Baptist preacher doesn't have the keys of death and hell. There's no holy man that's ever lived that has the keys of death and hell. And your grandmother didn't have the keys of death and hell either. There is but one. His name is Jesus. 
Hey, Pastor, what are, what are we to do with this? Well, friend, if you are saved, if there was a time when you can testify as I can, there was a time when I heard of the story of Jesus and that prick of my heart, that weight that I feel. Let me tell you what it is. That's conviction. It's more than just a guilty conscience. Because this Bible teaches us and Jesus teaches us that the Spirit of God is sent into the world to bring conviction. You may not like what this preacher has said this morning, but there's a Spirit of God telling you it's true. It's right. You're a sinner. You must repent. Your church membership won't save you. Who you're related to isn't going to spare you. You can dismiss it and say, I don't want to think about it. That doesn't change it. Well, if you've got this settled this morning, may we rejoice in a risen Savior. May we remember our responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. But as we conclude this morning, I want to speak specifically to those who might be in the service this morning. It may be your first time ever in church. It may be your first time ever in this church. You may have been faithfully attending. I want you to listen very carefully to me. The tomb is empty. Don't miss this. It's more than a battle cry for the believer. It's what you must put your faith in. In. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've heard all the excuses. Well, Pastor Neil, that's not what I've heard. I've preached to you. I have read dozens of verses this morning from the Bible. This is Bible doctrine. It's not religious dogma. I have read the Scriptures. Well, well, Pastor Dale, I just, I've heard, and I've heard all the excuses. I, I just, I, 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 I'm not a Baptist. I'm not asking you to be a Baptist this morning. I am preaching a salvation that all men must believe in. Well, well Pastor, you don't, you don't understand the bad things that I've done. Think back just for a moment. And it may have got lost in the scripture we read that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Jesus did not deserve to be crucified, but the one on the right and the one on the left deserved to be crucified. The one thief participated in the mocking of the Lord Jesus. The other one believed he was who he said he was. Jesus said those words today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. That man did not have time to turn over a new leaf. That man did not have time to change his ways. He didn't have time to, to go and, and repay all of his debts. He didn't have time to, to move his church membership. He didn't have time to put anything in an offering plate. He did what we read in Romans chapter number 10. His, he believed to righteousness with his heart. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're sinless. I believe you're taking my sin debt upon me, and if you'll find it in your love and your forgiveness to, to forgive me, 
Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You contrast that. There's a lot of people who sit on church pews today and they've never humbled themselves and they've never repented of their unbelief, repented of what they're putting their faith in and believed on what Jesus did. Today I'm asking you, would you put your faith in Christ? Would you believe with your heart? Our heads are bowed this morning.